In life's journey, we must seek to reflect, learn, and grow. Welcome to the Road to Rediscovery with your host, Aubrey Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on past life lessons to learn and grow from them and to take things to the next level and help others who are struggling through dark times. You know, there's a phrase that says, it's not about where you're from, but what you're made of. Before our birth, none of us had a choosing of our parents or our home or our lives. Uh, some, some of us believe in the phrase, playing the hand that you're dealt. And you know, I personally feel there's some truth to that. But, but what does that mean? Playing the hand that you're dealt. What does that mean? You know, and, and how do you play that hand if you don't know where you want to be or where you're going or who you even are? You know, in previous episodes, I have introduced my guests to you by giving you a glimpse into some of their background. Okay. Well, for my next special guest, words just don't do it justice. Not at all. In fact, I'm going to introduce this gentleman with what he is doing now to change lives. And we're going to let him paint that picture uh, with where he's come from and the journey that he has, he has come. So he was the number one worldwide producer for a top five commercial real estate firm with over a billion dollars in transactions. He started over 10 businesses, built a chain of children's learning centers, and he's the founder and CEO of I Got Smarter, a goal fulfillment business helping members achieve their goals and dreams. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in for an eye-opening experience, a great conversation with Mr. Nelson Tressler. Nelson, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Aubrey. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. We appreciate having you here, man. We really do. So um, let's, uh, talk about, let's talk about your upbringing, okay? Let's, let's talk about uh, sharing with the listeners where you're from uh, and how was life for you growing up? Yeah, I have quite the original origin story. Um, my mom became pregnant with me when she was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And while she was pregnant with me, her father who was the local trash collector in a small town of about 6,000 people, uh, shot and killed a police officer. Uh, during his murder trial, where he was facing uh, the death penalty for uh, shooting and killing the police officer, my mom uh, got on the stand and testified to the jury that the reason that her father, my grandfather, had shot and killed a, the police officer was that that police officer had pulled her over one night and uh, raped her and uh, she was now pregnant with uh, you know a, a baby me uh, because of that rape and so that's that's kind of how my life started um, and uh, of course you know if, if anyone who is from a small town they know that everybody knows your business in a small town and it would have been hard enough you know growing up in that small town uh, of the grandson of uh, some you know somebody who shot and killed a police officer but now that uh, the trial had taken place and my mom had testified uh, uh, saying this uh, it was it was a living nightmare so uh, it, it wasn't fun um, and I mean, I don't know how far you want me to go into it, Aubrey, but, you know, my life didn't get much easier after that. Uh, my mom uh, turned 21 and uh, she met a peach of a man uh, and got married. And uh, it turned out uh, that he was an alcoholic and he pretty much abused me and my mom, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis. So yeah. um, it was a pretty, pretty rough start uh, uh, to life. Nelson, man, what a rough start, right? What a rough start. I mean, everything that you mentioned uh, as far as, you know, uh, the situation or circumstances in which your mother got pregnant. And then once, once you were born, I mean, uh, from the whole situation with, with, with the rape, I mean, there, there were still things she had to deal with in that area, right? Like going to court, testifying, 
and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, she testified at my grandfather's trial. Um, and it, and it, and it actually worked. My grandfather's first trial ended in a hung jury. And because of her testimony, uh, the prosecution had taken off uh, the death penalty and was now only seeking uh, life in prison without the possibility of parole. And during the second trial, my grandfather was found guilty and he did end up spending the rest of his life more than 40 years in prison uh, for committing that murder. Uh, you know, leaving wow. behind, you know, my mom and me and yeah. uh, he, he had uh, 15 uh, sons and, and daughters. So he had 15 kids wow. in, in this small town. Big. So yeah, a lot of people were affected by this. Yeah. And yeah. as I kind of talked about, uh, you know, uh, I had I had those trials that uh, came from being who I was and, and, and what the, the whole town thought of me. Um, and then and then I had to deal with this, you know, my stepfather and, and what happened there. And eventually, um, seven years in, into uh, the marriage uh, with, with my stepfather, um, you know, my stepfather was walking home drunk from a bar. And uh, there was somebody else driving home drunk from that bar. Mm -hmm. And they ended up hitting and killing my stepfather. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. And uh, it was at that time. Now, now my mom has five kids, including me. Okay. Four, four of them are under the age of four. And even though, uh, you know, life was, was a nightmare with uh, my stepfather, right. you know, by him getting killed, he left my mom, you know, she had no job. She had no education. She had dropped out of school in the eighth grade. And right. worst of all, she really had no hope. Uh, you know, with, with this family. And it was at that time that she decided that she was going to take her own life. And uh, oh for, fortunately, she was not successful. Good, but, good. But whenever she got out of the hospital, she determined that there was no way that she was going to be able to take care of five children on her own. So it was at that time that she decided she was going to split up the family. And, um, at the age of 12, I went to live with my grandmother, who was the wife of the man who shot and killed the police officer. And so when I went to live with her, by this time, you know, the, the lifestyle that my parent, you know, my parents were living, um, I had uh, failed the fourth grade, got straight Fs. You know, I was absent uh, 60 days uh, of school my fourth grade year mm -hmm. because of uh, that lifestyle. And my mom would rather me stay home and help her with the kids than go to school. Right. Um, I got placed into special ed to try to get the help that I needed. Mm -hmm. Come to find out I had dyslexia. And, uh, you know, the story, you know, at, at this time, you know, when I go to live with my grandma, for the first time, I have a stable uh, lifestyle, you know. Right. right. Um, education's never been a huge uh, deal in this family. Right. Uh, of, of the 15 children that my Graham had, only two had ever graduated high school. Uh, all the wow. rest had dropped out. Uh, and none, none had ever attended a college. Mm -hmm. And as I'm living with my grandma and, and kind of living this stable life, for the first time, I started to reflect upon what my life was. And uh, I started to think, you know what, my life sucks. Uh, mm. This isn't what I want. And uh, I started to think about my future and, and where I was going to end up. And I wanted, yeah, I wanted something different. And uh, it was at this time, there was a counselor that came to our school from Penn State University. University. We only lived a few miles away from there. Okay. And she was talking about the things that you needed to do to get into college. And it was at that time that I said, you know what, if I could become that first person in my family to graduate college, I could live a much different life than everybody else is living around me. And that was the right. time I, I set that first big goal of becoming that first person to graduate from college. Amazing. Amazing. There's always those life-defining moments. It could be just an ordinary day that you're waking up and going to school and not realizing that, okay, something's going to happen in this day that is the foundation of a transformation, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that, that, that event that you just mentioned, uh, it sounds like it was, it was that time, you know? I mean, 
and, and I was I was wondering, given the circumstances of your upbringing, you know, um, how and where did you find those virtues? Where did you discover those virtues of goal setting and accountability? And it sounds like this was the foundation for that. Yeah, you know, um, I, I you look at you look at where your kind of life is going, and and I never had like great role models. I mean, I had people I loved my family, and and but they were living lives that I didn't want to live. So even though I didn't have a clear vision of the life that I wanted to live, I absolutely had a clear vision of the life I didn't want to live. And uh, sometimes that's got to be good enough, especially for people who are stuck in a situation and they don't really know where they want to go or what they want to do. As long as you know what you don't want to do, you can start making those choices to move as move away from where you don't want to go. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Nelson. I couldn't agree more. And, and that brings up a very, it brings up a very puzzling concept, I guess I should say, because I don't have the answer to this, but I, I would really love your thoughts on this, okay? Um, in some societies, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's young people, teenagers that grow up uh, as a product in an abusive environment, right? Um, and as they go into their, their adult years, they may continue to perpetuate that lifestyle Absolutely. with their own families, right? Yeah. So you have those on this side, and then you have, uh, you have those that have grew up in a very similar, if not the exact identical abusive lifestyle, abusive environment with whether it's a stepmother or stepfather or even their own parents. Um, and with this, with this individual, it's like, this is not going to happen to me. I am not going to live like this as I get older. And, and, and they put their heels in the ground and make that decision. So, you know, my question is, uh, what makes us go in one direction versus the other, right? I mean, why do some continue to live in that type of environment or perpetuate it versus those who decide this is where I'm going to turn things around and be the first in my family? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's funny that you said that. I mean, I, uh, I just published a book. It, it comes out November 12th, and it's Great. called the, the Unlucky Sperm Club. And as you can, as you've heard my kind of uh, origin story, you can gather where I got that title from. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and people are born into these situations. But I mean, I, the, the thing that I think made me kind of realize that I didn't want that life was I had a, a long-term perspective. You know, even at a young age, when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, and I saw what was going on around me, mm-hmm. um, I realized I didn't want that. And, and I thought, where was I going to be in 10 or 20 or 30 years? And I saw a lot of the people who were around me that were pretty much in the same spot from the time they were 18 to the time they were 48 and they hadn't yes. changed. They were still doing the same things. And I realized I didn't want to do that. And mm-hmm. I think one thing also that helped me was I had, a, I had some contrast, um, when I was 12 or 13 years old, I got placed in the big brother, big sister program. Okay, and okay. I, I had a great uh, big brother and, and family that mm-hmm. kind of took me in and showed me another side of life and introduced me to their family. And I got to see how, uh, you know, those people lived. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot different than the life I live. Yeah, and exactly. so a little bit of contrast, I think, will help people realize what they want. And you know what, you got to break that chain because just like you said, there's so many families that just perpetuate the same negative uh, lifestyles over and over through generations. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I love goals so much is because goals don't just change your life. Goals will change generations. And I'm living, yeah, I'm living proof of that. I mean, as I'm, as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm 48 years old. My grandfather was 48 years old when he shot and killed a police officer. Mm-hmm. I have a son who's, you know, 18 years old. Right. Um, you know, he's got a, a scholarship to a division one school to play baseball. He graduated with honors. And then I look at my mom who was 18 years old and she had a kid and had dealt, dealt with all this stuff. 
And those differences are just one generation away. And all, yeah. of, all of that change started with that one goal of being that first person in my family to graduate from college. And from that one goal, I was able to, you know, get obsessed with personal development and, and goal fulfillment and change, you know, my eventual life. Oh, for sure. That's beautiful, man. It's beautiful because like you said, the foundation where you made that, 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 that drew that line in the sand and made that determination, right. That, you know, I am going to go to college, be the first one to graduate in my family. I mean, when, when that proclamation was made, that in effect set the stage for subsequent events and subsequent achievements, right? Absolutely. Which, yeah, which, which gave you the resources and the ability to provide the life that you provide for your family now. So that is Absolutely tremendous, Nelson, and, and, and I really, really appreciate you sharing um, your involvement with the big brothers and big sisters and having a big brother that was able to show you, uh, you mentioned contrast, and I, I, I agree, it is in contrast to what the type of life you were living, but uh, it's also exposure, right? Because some children, and I'm not making excuses for those, these types of families, but there are some people growing up in that abusive environment that does not have that opportunity for exposure to see how other people live, you know? And yeah. so uh, I, I just think for you to have that opportunity uh, to give you that exposure so you can make your own decision on how you would like to live and, and that contrast, you know, um, th that really helps set the stage as well, man. Yeah. Man, that, that is awesome. That is awesome. I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. So, um, in school, while you were in school, having dyslexia uh, and, and that, that sort of thing, and plus in a small town where, like you said, everyone knows your business. Um, if everyone knows your business and you have this stigma that like kind of walks, every, walks everywhere, you know, you go like, uh, yeah. uh, like an ominous cloud, right? Um, yeah these preconceived notions that people have of you because you come from this family that they heard in the news in this small town. Um, what, was, what was it like in school? How, how was your confidence and your self-esteem? Um, there had to be some degree of self-esteem that you had in, 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 to make the proclamation, to make that determination, especially when you had the, the visitor from, was it Penn State, you said? Yeah, Penn State University. Yeah, County. yeah. When they when, when they came to the to the school, you know, yeah. um, there had to be some degree of self uh, self um, esteem that you've had to, uh, to 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 gather that information, make that proclamation. But at the same time, um, not sure how did how did how did classmates treat you? Um, was there did you have any confidence problems? Well, I mean, I'll share a story with you. Um, in eighth grade, it was uh, the first uh, dance that, that we had. And it was the kind of the first dance where you went and picked up your date. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of like a, a mini prom for eighth graders. And uh, there was a girl that uh, I had a crush on. And uh, I ended up, uh, you know, asking her to the dance. And, and she said yes. And the problem was, is, uh, you know, I'm living with my gram at this time and she doesn't have a car and, you know, everybody's car is beat up on, on my street, my family. And mm -hmm. I end up, uh, you know, asking, uh, one of my aunts who had a new car, uh, if I could use it. And then I asked my cousin, uh, who was, uh, just had turned 16 years old to drive me and my date to the, uh, dance. And yes. I end up, uh, I end up going to pick her up. And, uh, you know, I go in there and her parents are very cold towards me and uh, I'm trying to figure it out. And she, they're like, you know, uh, she's back getting ready uh, for the dance. And, you know, they just start asking questions and then they say, well, uh, who's who's driving you to the dance? And I'm like, oh, it's my cousin, John. And uh, as soon as that happened, they kind of excused themselves and went back to talk to my date. And uh, I could tell there was something wrong. And uh and then uh, the mom came out and the mom's like, um, you know what, we have a family event uh, tonight. So uh, we're gonna have to stop and pick up, uh, her name was Megan, uh, a half an hour before the dance is over. 
And I'm like, oh, you know what? That's fine. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just have her bring, bring her home early. And they're like, no, it's, it's on the way to, it's on the way through the dance. So it's just easier mm. for us to pick them up. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And, and, and anyhow, um, you know, we go out and I open the door, the door for them. And, you know, they're taking pictures of me and my cousin opening the door for them. And anyhow, we end up, we end up getting to the dance and uh, we, you know, we had a good time and then her mom did come back and pick her up and, and took her. Um, so I, I didn't drop her off, but I ended up uh, dating this girl for a long time uh, through high school. And I ended up getting to know her family and come to find out that uh, they weren't going to let her go with me because they knew who I was and what my family was. Mm -hmm. And especially the fact that my teenage cousin was driving us uh, they thought that we were going to take their daughter and pull over and rape her. Oh so my gosh. Oh my so they followed us to the dance. As soon as we pulled out of the driveway, the dad followed us to the dance to make sure that we went to the dance. Yeah. And the reason that the mom came home early was that was their condition. They were not going to allow me to drive her home uh, because of who I was. But, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I dealt with things like that um, mm. all, all through school. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was, it was hard. I mean, people always looked at you like you were different and, right. uh, but as, as far as like confidence, you know, I, I had one good thing going for me. I was a pretty good athlete and, good. Uh, and because of athletics, I think I had a, a touch of, confidence. I mean, you know, mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. any teenage boy that's, uh, that that's good at sports, I think has that, uh, swagger about him. So, mm -hmm. so I had that and, uh, that, that was what kind of gave me the confidence that maybe I could, uh, go to college and, and play sports. And that was my, you know, kind of way out is like, okay, this would get me into, uh, college. And, and that's what happened. Uh, I had one school that was, willing to take a chance on me uh, to, to go to college. I mean, my grades were not great, but anyhow, I got in, I got into college because of sports and, uh, you know, eventually uh, I could only afford to go to school for a year because uh, we had, we didn't have enough money and I grossly underestimated what it was going to cost to go to college. Right, so I ended right, up, right. I ended up joining the air force on the GI bill gotcha. and, uh, to get money to go to school. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and thank you for sharing that, Nelson, because now I want to I want to kind of turn the page, if you will, and talk about uh, your higher education, uh, the time you spent in the military and what got you into the entrepreneurial spirit of starting businesses. Right. If you could just kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So I, I joined the Air Force uh, on the GI Bill. Uh, to get money to go to school. I mean, my gram, I was living with my gram at this time. Um, she made $4,800 a year on social security. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my college was, I owed a thousand after the first semester. I owed 3,500 after my second semester. So there was no way I was ever going to be able to afford to go to college. Um, so when I, I joined the air force on the GI bill and, you know, ended up, uh, going to school uh, in the Air Force as much as I could. Yeah. Ended up meeting my wife while I was in the Air Force and uh, got married with nine months of uh, service left. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when we got out, um, she was from Las Vegas. So uh, we came back to uh, Las Vegas. Her dad was a dentist here in town. And mm -hmm. uh, while, we, while I was waiting to go to UNLV to start school, uh, I couldn't find a job. So we had met her dad for, uh, for lunch one day and it was Christmas time or actually after Christmas, uh, around new year's. And, uh, he was talking about, uh, he had hired somebody to paint some, uh, uh, a Christmas mural on his window and they were supposed mm -hmm. to come back and take it off and they never did. And I'm sitting there waiting for school to start, didn't have a job. I'm like, you know what, I'll come in and, and take it off for you. So I went in there and, and started to take that off for him. And I looked kind of up and down the street and I saw all these storefront windows. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? 
that would be a great business to kind of wash windows and I could set my own hours, go to school when I had to. And that was kind of my aha moment for my first business. Mm-hmm. Ended up going out, I bought some cards and some flyers and just started, you know, canvassing uh, the streets, uh, getting people for my window cleaning business. And I ended up having that all the way through school and it ended up, you know, providing for me and my wife. And eventually I had a had a son while I was going to college and it provided for that. So that was kind of that first hint of entre- entrepreneurship. Wow. Grassroots for sure. Yeah. Grassroots and humble beginnings, right, Nelson? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there's a few things you said in there that, um, I don't know, that kind of makes me think we're almost like kindred spirits. Uh, uh, there are some things that are kind of like in parallel. Now, I didn't serve, but I'm a military brat. And so uh, both my parents, they served. In fact, it was in the Army where they met, right? And uh, um three out of the four of their children, um, myself included, were, we were born on base. Uh, so anyhow, one thing, that, that was one thing that was kind of like a parallel to me that just, just kind of resonated as you were explaining. Uh, another thing is, um, uh, you said it earlier when you were younger and thinking, you know what, this is not gonna be me. I'm not gonna live like this when I get older. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, it just reminds me of a funny story my father uh, told me uh, when he was younger, a teenager growing up, and I think this is just like you said, it kind of it, it kind of sets the foundation of the mindset that uh, that that you have in that generations after you, you know, um, will have as well within your family. He mentioned that, you know, when he was a teenager, like in his early teens, his father died, and so he only had a sister and his mother, and they lived with his grandmother. And so when he graduated from high school, he, uh, he said, well, I can't be like the only guy living here with my mom, my sister, and my grandmother. What is that like? And so that prompted his decision to join the Army. Now, he talked about how guys would hang on the corners, at least in the neighborhoods where, you know, he grew up. Yeah. Guys would hang out on the corners, have their, you know, their bottle in a bag, you know, drinking, making cat calls, and, and you know, just... Uh, just loitering, basically. Uh, He said his buddies, they were doing that when he left to get sworn in. And then, of course, you know, go to basic training, has his job, seeing the world, comes back for a break uh, to see his mom, sister, and grandmother. Same friends hanging on the corner. Same friends, you know. Nothing's changed in in their life, and uh, he's done all this amazing stuff. So, uh, and, and I apologize, don't mean to derail. Just wanted to share with you. There was a a, a couple parallels there. So, I appreciate yeah, you sharing how you got that aha moment to starting your own business, and 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 that eventually started to support your family and take you through school as well, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah, and. It got me all the way through school. And then mm-hmm. you had mentioned the, the commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I, w- I went into that. Um, didn't even know what commercial real estate was. I had to take an internship. Mm-hmm. And that was the only internship I could find and get. Mm-hmm. And uh, ended up getting hired out of school uh, by the person who gave me that internship. And uh, ended up uh, having a knack for uh, you know, commercial brokerage. And that kind of funneled in, you know, when you have that entrepreneurial uh, spark, that yeah. kind of opened my eyes to so many other uh, businesses that I eventually started because I was exposed to all these uh, business owners and, and as I was trying to find them uh, space to lease or, or buildings to buy for their businesses, I was exposed to it. And then uh, I just went forward with uh, great ideas that I thought would, uh, would work out. And it, it ended up, you know, going into children's daycare centers, ended up uh, building up a, a chain of six of those in Las Vegas, ended up starting a, a pet resort, you know, one of the largest privately owned pet resorts in the United States. Wow. Um, and then uh, in, into a family fun center trampoline parks and, and mm-hmm. have a couple of those in Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. all these things just kind of opened up uh you know, my eyes to businesses and I'm a yes man. And I, when I see something, I want to try to figure out 
you know, I can monetize it. And, uh, and so just uh, ran with it. And I think the one thing that, that I do different than a lot of people do is I actually move forward once I have a goal. And once I know what I want to do, I set that goal. And then I realize, you know what, this is the things that I have to do to make this goal come to fruition. And I think yes. so many, yeah, I think so many dreams just die. I, I don't think I had any better ideas or more ideas than the typical person, but I think the typical person has the idea and then that's where it ends. And wow. I was, I had the personality and the fortitude to actually see it through. And uh, that was the difference. I mean, success loves finishers. And I think that's kind of uh, where I separated myself from. I see. I see. Beautiful, man. Man, that's, that is, that is wonderful. And I, and I want to chat with you uh, here a little later about, um, about goal setting and, and your strategy and approach to goal setting uh, in, 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 you know, the new business that you started called I Got Smarter. Um, Right now, I wanted to maybe touch on um, two things, as you were mentioning, when it comes to starting up businesses, right? And you had a lot of contacts with people um, who were business owners. Uh, but the two things, as you were saying that, that popped into my head was um, investors and buy-in. Buy-in, right? So what does buy-in mean? It means that you have to do some degree of selling, but it's an intangible, right? You're selling an idea, you're selling creativity, you're selling uh, innovation, okay? Uh, something that's sparked in your, in your mind that would be a viable business to start and to convince these in investors, you know? Um, and, and that must take a tremendous amount of, uh, of, of confidence. Um, can, can, can you speak to how, how that, you know, how that played out for you as, as you would uh, try to get investors and, and other business owners on board with a creative idea? Sure. Yeah. I mean, in fact, in my book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, uh, it kind of takes place during the uh, 2008 meltdown and then mm -hmm. kind of what happened with that. And, and during that time, um, I had just, uh, been investing in, uh, you know, the children's daycare centers. And when yes, I, yes. I was the investor, I was the origi original investor in that. And there was an operating partner. And um, in that, my father-in-law, who was a dentist, you know, he had mentioned to me, hey, if you find some good investments, I've got some money I'd like to invest. So I ended up bringing him into that investment mm -hmm. and come to find out that uh, our operating uh, partner was embezzling money from us, embezzled all over a million dollars from, you know, the company. And yeah. we ended up, you know, here we were, you know, and we didn't realize any of this because the checks were coming in when the economy was good. But mm -hmm. during the meltdown, you know, all these businesses, no, no one needed childcare because no one had a job. Right. So the businesses really started to struggle. And then that's when we kind of started looking at it and, and realizing that there was something off. And at that time, you know, uh, we realized these businesses were going to fail, uh, especially, especially if we went the litigious route and sued this guy. Right, you know, right. We would win. Maybe he would even go to jail. But at the end of the day, these businesses would go bankrupt and there'd be nothing left. So at that time, we, we decided, you know, um, that we were going to buy him out of the business so that we could try to save it. And I'll tell you, there's, there's very few things that humble you more to buy out somebody who's embezzled a million dollars from, you. but that was the way that we were going to be able to save these businesses. And because I had gotten my father-in-law involved in this, um, he was a dentist, but at this time he was going through, he was having a kidney failure mm. and he was going to, he was going to require a kidney transplant, right. which was going to uh, force him to quit dentistry. And he had invested most of his savings in these businesses. Oh so, gosh. So we had to figure out a way to do it. So we eventually bought him out. And then here I am running a business that I know nothing about and mm. didn't really care to know anything about. Right. But, um, you know, that's the thing is when you get investors in its, in its family money, yeah. uh, yeah. it, it heightens the stakes a lot. 
because there was no, yeah, there was no way I wanted my father-in-law to lose money, even though he knew the risk going in, it was still me that brought him the deal. So we, we did end up, uh, turning that business around and we ended up selling it. And, Good. you know, uh, so my father-in-law got his investment back. Um, uh, that's great. Now yeah. it's one thing to go into an investment <laughs> where you know the risks and let's say the business had a valiant fight and, you know, had, had a peak in a valley and then, you know, due to the economy, maybe it goes belly up or it, it's no more, you know, right. I mean, that's, 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 that's the ordinary investment where we know what the risks are and that's the risk, but it's a completely different thing when you have one of your partners who is embezzling, you know, um, just totally thumbing their nose at any business ethics whatsoever. So let me get this straight, Nelson. You all decided to just buy him out and keep the business going instead of taking them to court and uh, just pressing charges, right? Um, yeah. So, so yeah. no charges were pressed? No, I mean, no. Um, I mean, the, the situation was, is, you know, in our agreement, he was in charge of operating the centers. He had signed the yeah. leases with the shopping centers. Right. You know, he had all, he had all control. So, okay. I mean, we could have sued him and, you know, the, but the centers were all negative cash flow. So we were having to feed the centers. So, you know, he had put no money into these centers at all. Me and my mm. father-in-law funded 100% of the cash needed mm. to start them. So okay. he would have walked away, you know, after five or six or seven years of making cash flow, he mm. could have walked away, but he wouldn't have lost any of his own money because he didn't have it. If we would have done that, we would have lost our entire investment. So the only way we saw an opportunity to even save any of our investment was to get him out of the picture. And the only way that he was willing to get out of the picture is if we bought him out, which is what we had to do uh, if we were going to save it. I see. And on this journey, you just had to put that whole event, that whole situation just just behind you in that rearview mirror and just keep moving, right? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I heard this saying one time is, you know what? If a rattlesnake bites you, mm-hmm. you have two choices. You can go after the chase after the rattlesnake and try to kill it, but the chances are you're going to die or you can seek help and, uh, you know, get, a, get as far away from the rattlesnake as you can. And mm-hmm. I've used that philosophy throughout my whole life. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't bear grudges and I don't burn bridges. Um, you know what? I just, I, I control what I can control. And right. um, I didn't want to use my time and my energy, you know, surrounded by all this negative and going to right. court and, and making him pay. I, I believe in karma. So I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that guy got what was coming to him or, sure. you know, he eventually will. So yeah. I, I let it at that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, Nelson, <laughs> I love, 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 love your outlook, man. I mean, it, it, I have a very similar outlook, right? Uh, you want to pay attention to elements and things that you can control, that's in your control, right? And, and, and just because something like this happens to you from someone who, say, is less moral, less ethical, um, that doesn't cause you to lose hope on humanity, right? You still have compassion for your fellow man. You still are willing to help, right? Uh, You still have that heart for service, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can't, we can't lose hope uh, Mm -hmm. for everybody because there's a few bad apples out there. I mean, exactly. And, and who knows? I mean, everybody, everybody kind of has their point of view with, with things. So I'm sure, you know, people look at some people that, uh, you know, they feel they're bad apples and then there's other people who just love them. So it's, it's all that point of view. And uh, I, I tend to, you know, look for the good in everybody. Yes. Uh, you know, this experience definitely made me more cautious when I, when I was getting into partnerships with people sure. and, you know, being a little more in control and, and kind of watching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was like a passive income deal. 
Uh, I never looked at it. I was happy if I got a check at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, and that's pretty much where I let it. And so I kind of took some of the blame on this, you know, shame on me for not paying closer attention to this, you know, when the times were good. But what you tend to find out is, you know, cash flow will cover up a lot of things. And then when things go bad, that's when things start to really rear their heads. Yep. And that's what happened here. Yeah. I got you. Wow. Yeah, that it certainly did during that tough time in uh, 2007, 2008. So, uh, Speaking of a heart for service, right, uh, and compassion, you know, as humans, we're fulfilled with that inherent need to help others. Uh, I, I, I truly, I'm a, I'm a true believer of us as humans. Uh, to our core, we have a heart and a, uh, for for helping others. Uh, it, it, there's something that fulfills us inside when we help someone else. Um, tell me, what drives you in helping others? You know what? I, I believe so much in service. I mean, it's, it's built into our program. I got smarter is, mm-hmm. you know, look, looking to uh, provide some service each and every day. Um, and I, I mean, that's, that's been in me. I mean, I, I look back at my life and I look at all the people who served me who didn't yeah. have to. I mean, I, right. I told you the story of, of my big brother. Uh, you know, he was a college student at Penn State. He was trying to get good grades. And he was willing to take time out of that to come down and help out a complete stranger. He knew mm-hmm. he didn't know me. He didn't know my family. He just right. wanted help. And because he was willing to do that, again, it was generational. He gave yeah. me that point of view. And because he changed my life, I'm able to change my family's life. And hopefully, I'm changing other people's lives through the service that I provide. But I think we all take a look around. There's so many people that provide service for us uh, each and every day. And, and that's what I think makes this world a, a better place or people who are willing to do that. And when you're willing to serve other people, I mean, it makes you a better person because you, you're not focused only on yourself. You're focused on, you know, everybody around you. And I mean, my goal for I Got Smarter is to change the world one person and one goal at a time. And that's how I want to change the world is by helping people, you know, fulfill their life's biggest, you know, goals. And uh, whenever people are are more successful, they're more apt to be able to uh, provide this great service to, you know, the community and people around them. Yeah, yeah. No, I I completely agree 100%, 100%. You know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I love all kinds of sports and I've played, you know, in my high school years growing up and everything. And um <clears throat> I'm a big boxing fan especially, right? And so um one of my boxing heroes, Muhammad Ali, uh there's a phrase that he has uh, said uh for many years and I and I I I take this to heart, you know. Uh, he said that um, service to others is the rent that you pay for your place in this world. You know? Absolutely. And I agree. Yeah, 100% and I, and so do I completely, completely. So let's talk about, I got smarter. Um, tell us about the business, but specifically if you can start with what inspired you to start this endeavor? Yeah. So um I was fortunate enough, uh, the, the pet resorts that, uh, that we started uh, and grew, uh, we ended up uh, exiting that business. And uh, when we exited it, it gave me the opportunity to, uh, you know, you, you ever hear people say, you know, what would you do if, if uh, money was no longer the object? Yeah. And uh, that, that sale kind of put me in that situation. And uh, as I was sitting there thinking, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, 46 or 47 years old at the time and I would definitely uh, it's not in me to retire and 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 go play golf and and do that I mean that that works for some people it's definitely not my mindset or what I wanted to do I mean I still felt like there was a lot left for me to do and as I started uh, you know thinking about that I had I had been a goal guy my whole life I mean since that first goal of uh becoming that first person in my family to graduate from college, I became obsessed with goals and personal development. And I used it in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. And 
some people would come up to me, they'd know, you know, I'd give talks on, on goals and, and do that. So everybody kind of knew that was, um, that was my specialty or what I loved or my passion. And they would come up and say, man, I really need to learn how to, to write goals or follow through goals. And I'm like, well, come on over, man, let's sit down and I'll, I'll show you what I'm doing. And I would sit down with these people, sometimes three, four hours, you know, going through a plan and, and, you know, whatever program I was following at that time, I'd go through it with them and we'd get all their goals written down and make sure that they were written properly and make sure, you know, they had that great why and, and they totally understand, understood what they were doing. And then I would see these people two, three, four weeks later, and I'd be excited for them. I'd be like, Hey, how are those goals coming? And they'd kind of put their head down, their eyes would drop and they're like, Oh yeah, you know what? I need to get back on that. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like it's been, it's been two weeks or three weeks. And, you know, uh-huh. I spent four hours with, with these people. It was kind of like a kick in the gut. But sure. what, I, what I realized was it wasn't the program or, or them writing down the goals. What they needed was somebody to help them stay accountable to what they said they were going to do. And gotcha. so after, you know, two or three of these people had done this, you know, I, be, I, I became some of these people's accountability partner. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I realized was not only were they sticking to their goals and mm-hmm. doing a much better job, mm-hmm. I realized I was sticking to my goals better. And, and I kind of, you know, counted myself as one of those people who really knew how to stick to goals. But this took my goal achievement to a, to a whole nother level because I knew these people were watching me and I was watching them. And eventually I became you know, uh, accountability partners with four people. And it ended up being too big of a task for me. You know, I I ended up, you know, being an accountability partner, and I focused more on them than I focused on my own goals. And then one day I had this aha moment is like, you know what, I'm just going to form a group. There's so many people out there that I've talked about goals with, I'm going to form this accountability group with all these people. And you know what, we'll rotate partners, and, um, you know, I'll come up with a, with a program to help all these guys. And I eventually did that. And mm-hmm. these, these were good, you know, they, these were good men, good, successful men, you know, doctors mm-hmm. and lawyers and business owners. Mm-hmm. And then there were other people in there who were struggling. It was, it was during the uh, downturn. So some people had lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. But regardless of what station in life people were in, everybody did better. And mm-hmm. When I knew I was on to something, I would see these, uh, these guys' wives either at the supermarket or at church or something like that, and they would come up to me and they'd say, Nelson, whatever you do, you can never stop this group. My husband is a different man. Uh, you know, nice. never stop this group. And because these guys were all good guys, but all of a sudden, you know, they were focusing on their families and their kids and becoming better husbands and better fathers and you know, and the wives were really realizing this. And then, then when I knew I was onto something, all the wives of the people in our group, they formed their own goal group. And really? yeah, and, and were, you know, following the same program that their husbands were because of the difference that they saw in them. And that's when I said, you know what, if, if I could ever just do something, this is what I want to do. I want to come up with a program that yeah. helps people, you know, achieve their goals. I saw what a huge difference it was. And, um, that's when I came up with, uh, I, I, you know, actually the the first, the first company and the company we still have is it was called six months to success, but that company, uh, you know, it was based around people meeting in groups and Mm -hmm. with the pandemic, we were just building up momentum, you know, when the pandemic uh, halted, uh, people meeting in groups and as it goes with a lot of businesses, you have to pivot. And uh, so uh, we decided, you know what, we need to make this more of a virtual thing. And that's when we, our program within six months to success was called, I Got Smarter. And so we, we used that same program, but we geared it more towards the app that we used and people working together virtually. So they didn't have to meet in groups and they could invite a success partner that can see when they're achieving their to-do list and their goals. And, you know, it's really, it's, we call them success partners. And there is a different level 
when you know somebody is watching you. And, and these success partners aren't holding you accountable. That's not their job. They have their own goals. But what they are doing is they're helping you stay accountable to do what you said you were going to do. So it's self-accountability. I see. I see. Wow. What a beautiful model. Man, that's a great model. And, and you, you, you did exactly as all other businesses had to do. Like you said, you, you had to pivot given the pandemic, right? And, uh, and, and, and still make this something of value yeah. to people who want to get things done. And I love how you shared uh, the feedback from the wives, right? Yeah. There's a whole trickle effect behind what you were doing. Uh, they had goals. You worked with them as far as keeping them accountable with their goals. It helped you in keeping accountable with yours. And, 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 and then as they are being held accountable to their goals, they're reaching their goals. It's probably saving time on their calendar to where they can dedicate more attention to their family. So it's this whole trickle effect, right? Cause and effect that takes place that, eventually becomes noticeable to the wives. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, a, a lot of people, when they think of goals, you know, they either think like business goals or physical goals. I mean, there's, we have goals in every area of our lives and some of those are relationship goals, their family goals, their spiritual goals. Right. You know, the, so we have goals in all areas of our lives. And when you start to focus on those goals and you start, you know, planning out your day and realizing what you need to do, in order to achieve that goal. You know, if it's a relationship goal and, uh, you know, your goal is to have a better relationship with your wife or your kids, each morning you're sitting down and playing like, okay, what can I do today to have a better relationship with my wife? And now you're living life with purpose. Uh, there you, you go. Have, That's you right. Have, you have that hyper focused on what you want to accomplish. And unfortunately, a lot of times um, our relationships uh, with our family kind of get pushed down, you know, the, the ladder of uh, priorities. And we, we kind of yeah. take that for granted. But uh, with this program, you know, you definitely, you know, if you fail in the home, when we've all had issues in the home and we've all struggled there, that affects every part of our life. Uh, so, does. yeah. So, I mean, we teach, you know, to, to really focus on that relationship goal and everything else kind of stems from that. But um, we, we need to really focus on all those goals. And, and you kind of talked about, you know, pivoting during this time. And the one thing that I realized uh, was it wasn't my goal to have a specific company with a specific right. model. My vision was that I truly wanted to change the world one person and one goal at a time. And I knew what my vision was. And then, and then I knew what was going on in the economy. So I had to pivot. I had to change my model a little bit. But that's what a lot of business owners have to realize is when they go into starting a business, they need to mm -hmm. understand what their why is and what their vision is. And a lot of times you're going to pivot. And by the time you get done with your business, it's not going to resemble what you originally thought it was going to. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, that there's so much truth to that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have an original vision of what something is going to be like. And, and, and uh, it could be a number of things, right? A number of variables that causes something that you vision not to be exactly uh, what it is when, when you get the end result. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's um, and, 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 and raising that awareness to someone who's goal setting and, and, and wants to start a business or, or has some, some, some objective. Um, I, I think that's incredible and very, very important to know starting out, you know, that whatever you wind up with is not going to be a hundred percent exactly what you envision, you know, but you'll be happy with it. Yeah. Because a lot, you put in all the work. Absolutely. And a lot of times it's, it's a better uh, version that you couldn't even, uh, you know, visualize until you get down that road. And that's right. You know, and another thing is you, you know, you can't wait for all the lights to turn green all the time. Like right. all, all, everything can't be perfect before you're willing to start. I mean, that's the one thing, uh, again, that I think I've, I've uh, kind of have in my mindset is I get started and, you know, I think things work, them, work their way out as you get down the road. 
as opposed to, okay, I'm going to figure out every, you know, cross every T and dot every I before I even get started. And then, you know, things die by, uh, you know, analysis by paralysis, you know, paralysis (laughs) by analysis. Right, right. So, (laughs) yeah, man, I love that phrase you just said there, Nelson. Uh, You can't wait for all the lights to turn green, you know. Uh, with the name like the Road to Rediscovery, you, you think of your journey and there's traffic lights, there's barriers, turns and all that. And and like you said, you can't wait for them to all turn green. And there's never that perfect time to start something, right? Uh, and, and when you live with purpose, uh, that's when you, you make it the right time, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Nelson, how can the listeners learn more about, about you and about I Got Smarter? And, and how, can they, uh, how can they pick up a copy of your book? Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, well, my book, my book, it's on Amazon right now okay. for uh, pre-order. It will be released uh, November 12th. So okay. you can go there. The Unlucky Sperm Club is what it's called. And it's a memoir slash uh, personal development book. So it's got that, it's got a great story, but at, at the end of uh, every chapter, there's, uh, there's the lessons that I've learned from those stories. So uh, I'm very proud of it. I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely been a labor of love. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm happy for that. And then uh, uh, I Got Smarter, you can go to igotsmarter.com. Uh, and the app is on the uh, app store. Uh, just type in, I got smarter, all one word. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also go to nelsontressler.com uh, to, to learn more about the, you know, the book and I got smarter. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Nelson. I will make sure that we include all of the direct links to the book, to the websites, uh, and even to the apps on the episode show notes so our listeners can directly access all of that information from the show notes as they are listening to the episode. Fantastic, man. So Nelson, last thing I wanted to ask you about your family life. How's how's family life for you? And and, and what lessons from your journey have have you taught your sons? Yeah, you know, know, I, I, I pinch myself. Like I can't even believe uh, you know, I've been married to my best friend. We're going to be uh, celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary in January. Wow. wow. Congratulations. We're, thank you. I mean, we're raising three awesome young men, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that are just, you know, they motivate me every single day and, and amaze me every single day. And I mean, the, I, I've taught, I've taught the lessons that I've kind of learned. And you know what, my, my kids are kind of being raised at the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think that's one of the things where, you know, coming from where I come from, uh, you want to kind of give your kids everything. And I think yeah. that can be as much of a crutch as, you know, being raised in, in, a, in a poor situation. Oh, yeah. So yeah. with my, with my uh, kind of experience, I've been, you know, letting my kids know how fortunate they are and how unfortunate other people are. Mm-hmm. And my son, actually, my 17-year-old my son, and, and also I have a 22-year-old a son, both of those sons, uh, my 22-year-old served a mission for our church, and he is back. Mm-hmm. And, and my uh, 18-year-old son, he's actually out on a mission right now serving. Um, so, I mean, they, they, they know what service is, and they know how blessed they are. And um, because of that, they want to go out there and serve other people and, and help. So, uh, couldn't couldn't be more pleased and uh, more amazed every day. Beautiful, yeah. And we can learn a lot from our from our children as well, wouldn't you agree? Oh, I, I learn every single day from my kids. I mean, every day. Oh man, that is great. I have a 22 year old son. He's in his senior year at the University of Kentucky, and uh, he's on scholarship. He's played football for the university uh, all four years. Well. Nice. He redshirted, but you know, now he's fifth year senior. But yeah, I mean, uh, I still learn from him and uh, he motivates me, you know, uh, especially when it comes to <laughs> physical uh, activity, right? right? Working out, jogging, lifting yeah. weights, stuff like that. So uh, yeah, our children motivate us as well. So that's, 
Well, that's why we do it, right? We, it we do it to, to raise a better generation and, yeah. and uh, hopefully the world's uh, better off because of that. So 100%. I, I think it's our job as parents to raise our children to become better than we were. Absolutely. Age, you know, so, uh, and, and if you feel that way, uh, that, that your child has, uh, is, has reached that point, then I think we've done our job. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Nelson, man, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I've loved sharing, uh, and having you share your story, uh, painting the picture from where you came from, uh, to what you're doing now and how you're changing lives with so many people, man. I, I really appreciate you being on the show. Aubrey, thanks for having me. It was a great conversation and uh, re really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Likewise, for sure. So now we're going to go into a segment I like to call Three for the Road. In Three for the Road, that's where I would love to ask you three uh, random yet thought-provoking questions uh, that I challenge my guests to answer in five words or less. So uh -oh. what do you think, Nelson? You think you're up for it? I'll try it. All right, here we go. Now, and by the way, because of some of these questions being thought provoking, the responses, um, the, some people have responded in such a way that uh, they hit a vibe or a stride, right? And, and, what, and they're going down something very deep and, uh, and, and, and very uh, value add when it comes to you know, pro being profound. Um, in that case, I let you go. I let you go and say it, you know, more than five words, there's no penalty. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. And, uh, and, and these are uh, customized questions for my guests. No two are alike. Okay. So three for the road. Here we are. Question one, uh, you're a sports fan and you're an athlete. So we know uh, in all sports, there, there are highs, there are lows, there's peaks, there's valleys. Um, um, amazing victories, right? And, 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 and devastating defeats, for sure. So um, what sport would you think closest relate to your personal life journey? Uh, professional wrestling, probably. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> yeah, getting the chokehold and yeah, it was it was a rough it was a rough uh, journey. So I, I would say professional wrestling. All right, okay. Number two. This one may sound a little more business uh, related. You were tasked to manage a huge project, a huge project with a high demand to deliver, with three elements, and we know what those are: timeliness, quality, and low cost but you can only deliver two of the three, which would you choose? Uh, definitely timely. Okay. Uh, what was the second one? I'm sorry. Quality and low oh. cost. Well, I would say quality first. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then, t and then timely because, uh, gotcha. you know, yeah. 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 Uh, you want to deliver on time. And, and you want the customer satisfied with the uh, end product, right? Absolutely. I mean, pe people, price is rarely uh, the deciding factor when it comes to uh, somebody deciding to purchase or not. Gotcha. Smart move. Smart move. Awesome. Number three for three for the road. Fill in the blank. I'm going to draw a scenario for you. It's a clear, mild, sunny day. Your family is healthy and happy. All financials are secure and all is right in the world of Nelson Tressler. You are on a boat floating on a calm lake. You smile, you take a deep breath, and you say, Thank you. I mean, just gratitude for, uh, I mean, you painted a picture there where everything is perfect. And uh, even if it wasn't, I mean, I believe in giving gratitude and all. So uh, that, that would be one of those situations where I would just say thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. Two simple words that says so much, man. Yeah. And I truly, truly believe in, and, and, I, and I felt that as you said it. So, so thank you for sharing that and, 
and uh, yeah, so that's pretty much three for the road. <laughs> oh, good job, Nelson. All right, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, Nelson, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And, you know, I always believe, I mean, with, with extraordinary people such as yourself, the work that you're doing, changing lives for so many people in the world, uh, teaching people how to set goals and hold themselves accountable, absolutely amazing. I would love to have uh, what I call a sequel uh, conversation with you some months down the road, if you don't mind. Uh, just anytime, the, just the yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, anytime. It was uh, loved being on the show. So anytime, uh, I'd be uh, be happy to be back on as many times as you want me. Oh, fantastic, Nelson. Thank you. Thank you so much. And once again, I'm going to make sure that we have all of Nelson's direct links to nelsontressler.com, as well as uh, the Amazon link to the uh, pre-order of his book, The Unlucky Sperm Club, uh, set to release on November 12th. Is that right? Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Also, igotsmarter.com to learn more about goal setting, to become part of Nelson's crew in self-accountability. That is where you want to go because that will help you lead your life with purpose. So please, please look for those direct links coming up in the episode show notes when this episode releases. Nelson, thanks again for coming on, man. Really, really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. As you know, on the road to rediscovery, we want to let others know in their times of despair and dark days, they are never, never alone. If you know of anyone, any of your family, any of your friends or neighbors going through dark times that you feel can benefit from the message behind this show, I humbly, humbly ask that you please, please share it with them. We're all roadies on this journey of life, and it sure feels good having you on the journey with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon.